Hello, everybody, and welcome to Movie Buffs. Uh, this is a show that covers the best action films of all time. I'm your host, Cisco, a.k.a. Misfit Minded. You can find me on Twitter at Rampage underscore Misfit and at my movie pages at Misfit underscore Minded on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Yes, and I'm your host, Shani B, and you can find me on all the socials at Shani B Movies. Yeah, I mean, you already know that uh, before we get started, I, I just watched Mad Cronenberg and De Palma over these past couple weeks. So, no, no I'm new jealous. movies. I'm super um, jealous. I did go see that uh, new Micah Monroe movie, Watcher. It's really small movie, kind of had Hitchcock vibes in it. Pretty cool. Okay. And just want to shout out because her real name is Dylan Buckley, which I just find to be hilarious. So shout out to Dylan oh. Buckley, a.k.a. Micah Monroe. Thank you for being a screen queen. <laughs> there you go. There you go. What was your uh, favorite favorite new uh cronenberg because i know you said you were watching some ones you hadn't seen before i just have to get Ooh, of the noobs i think honestly like weirdly i really like shivers i really yeah. like shivers yeah like i that don't was know his first why movie too i believe that was his first one yeah yeah i just feel Crazy. like there's something so uh so grounded and fun and brave or something and mm. it's like we were talking about just a moment ago like i just need that out of filmmakers and i need that out of a movie even if the movie isn't like reinventing the wheel or whatever you know yeah ivan reitman ivan reitman produced that uh, dude yes ivan I reitman hell yeah that with him and uh so so broke so on a budget that that uh, apartment building was where he actually lived at the time <laughs> amazing and uh and i once uh he got in trouble with the censors afterwards i think i think that was the same building they kicked him out because uh i don't know the the landlady wasn't a fan of uh what he did <laughs> that's what i was wondering yes thank you for that article yeah that was that was it's in the new yorker if you guys are curious, David, they did a whole profile on Cronenberg and it's amazing. It talks a lot about the early, early Cronenberg stuff and then like him mm. doing body horror and returning to body horror with the new one, which I still haven't seen yet. I still want to see it. But um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's, also, it's been hard. It's been randomly. Busy. Are you a fan by any chance of the dead zone that he did with Christopher Walken? Oh, it's like I a. Yes. Yeah, I was going to say, it's like a one that when I tell people David Cronenberg directed it, they're like, that can't be right. <laughs> like, it, no, that but was it like is his, somehow. That was like his first like mainstream like movie. Uh, and well, it was a Stephen King, Stephen King story. Hell yeah. And perfectly melding like this desire for there to be something kind of going inside your body, but it now transitioning into more of like a para psychological thing. And I feel like he moves into a different kind of body horror after the dead zone sliding towards maybe doing more just drama work. And he doesn't have to lose it completely because I feel like he never stops making the, the physical stuff he wants to make. Like existence was crazy. Um, oh, not yeah, my fave because it good. needed more time, you know, like it needed more time. It needed, it's, it deserved more I think effects. it's underrated though. I wanted it to I be think longer. More people should, should see it, you know? Totally. It's totally. pretty slept on. But it was like yeah, one the, where the... I think we rented it. Like me and my brothers are uh, like back in the day, you know, just like randomly like this seems like a Hell cool yeah. premise. And we and then afterwards we were just like, what the fuck? Like, 
I don't even know if we knew it was Cronenberg at the time or not, you know, but we just were like, what a, what a ride, like what a wild ride that, that movie was. So, yeah, right. I mean, yeah. that's the thing with Cronenberg. It's like, you always know you're going to get something you've never seen before. Uh, and that a lot of people are going to hate it. I actually just watched, um, someone posted a throwback review of uh crash that Cronenberg movie. Mm-hmm. With uh, uh-huh. on Siskel and Eber- on, when uh, Siskel and Ebert were doing their show, and uh, Siskel <laughs> hated it. <laughs> Siskel hated it and was like, you know, being like, "Oh, this is the biggest, you know, time waster." And Ebert, like, <laughs> I, I would say Ebert just like shut shut him down. Like, like why why do you hate it? Like, I think a lot of people are just gonna hate it because they don't have they don't have the patience to um try and understand it and because uh we're uncomfortable with sexuality in this country like he was just going in and i was like oh man i, I miss i miss raj miss raj going up <laughs> shutting so it down true. and, and it's- sticking up when he liked the movie whether i agreed or not if he liked the movie a lot he was gonna defend that shit like <laughs> well, and, and in a way that's like respectful to the filmmakers and the viewer too that's what i appreciate about both of their both of them and the discord they used to have is that they're just so capable of making sure that it's still looked at as a piece of art, but also totally debated and up for interpretation and everything a viewer wants, man, I miss that so much. Yeah. Not, not every Cronenberg is going to, not Mm -hmm. every Cronenberg is going to hit for you, but that's the thing about auteurs is, you know, you're not going to absolutely love each one, but hopefully there's one that like just does it for you because they're taking all these swings, you know what I mean? And like one, one will connect with you harder than the other ones. And he's done so much, you know, like compared to some of the other auteurs, he has done so many films. So there's something really cool about that too, that like he never really has to sacrifice his visual anything because he can find a way to like do one for you, do one for me and still make an amazing movie. <laughs> I love, I love his uh, gangster movies, you know, history of violence oh. and Eastern promises are like, they're a top five, like Cronenberg movies yeah, exactly. probably for me. Uh, so it's crazy that he can be like, you know, do like the fly and the dead zone, like you said, um, which I, I was able to see the dead zone in a theater like a few years ago. There was a Stephen King oh, festival and it was that's amazing. so dope. Was, oh, yeah. man, that's so fucking cool. <laughs> nice. It was great. Nice. Yeah, I really I really like Dead zone. That's that's another like underrated like Stephen King movie that doesn't get totally. brought up enough like in his, you know, filmography. But it's it's really solid. And someone was just on a podcast talking about it, like how he thought it was better than the book or like on the same level, just because uh, the concept of like seeing into the future is like such a like uh-huh. made for movie. You know what I mean? It's like, because of editing, you can edit in those, those visions and it's like perfect for a movie. And that's why he, he thought it was better. And I was like, mm. I haven't read the book. I think I have it somewhere, but I'm like, I, that, that's interesting point. Like totally. I can see why, you know, that would be like more interesting on a film level than uh you know say a say a book totally yeah it's fucking crazy how many stephen king adaptations there are too (laughs) like that in and of itself is pretty amazing (laughs) yeah he's his own brand now yeah he's his own brand like even stranger things like owes a lot to oh yeah stephen king when i watch it you know what i mean it's like oh uh but oh yeah i did watch the new season of stranger things by the way it was awesome i I haven't have gotten to no i haven't had time to catch it because i'm gonna for sure binge it and like then cry after because it's i think it's all over you're gonna love it (laughs) 
I can't wait. You're going to love it. It's so it's the it's definitely the gnarliest season yet too. like the gore level and the really the violence is like, yeah, that's pretty awesome. (laughs) I feel like they which I thought that's why three was my favorite because I thought three brought it to another level. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay, like, you know, this is my shit. And then four did just did the same thing again. Like, damn, I'm surprised they got away with some of this stuff. Dude. Yes. I feel oh, like yeah, I loved it. They, they grew, they like had kids grow up alongside of it so they could just be ready for the violence progressively. And I just appreciate that so much. <laughs> yeah. You kind of have, to, it's like the Harry Potter thing. Like when, uh, you know, prisoner of Azkaban, it's like, they're kind of like, yep. they're, they're older now. Like we can, we can get rougher now. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> with the, with the, you know, the tone and the violence so that's i think that's where they're at for sure awesome uh, and they, they said volume two um or maybe maybe they're talking about i think season five is the last season oh okay and they good. said like that's gonna be like the the darkest season yet they said or whatever so it's like oh, oh. man after four like four is pretty dark really? like, I'm, I'm like i'm like curious to where they're gonna go next and then the second half of four drops like next month too so i'm i, I want to see where they end this season too okay good good. a lot happens a lot happens in this first half i'll just say that (laughs) i'm so excited Um, yeah i'm i'm glad that it's not over already because i was preparing myself to like literally say goodbye at four so i'm glad to hear that there will be a five and mm. that four like has a lot going on because you know like when you start to get out into the fourth fifth sixth season of a show it's really just to hang out by then so i'm glad to hear it's not quite doing that Mm-hmm. and they're older like they're they're they all look so old now it's it's hilarious like i'm like crazy my mom was like w- walked in when me and my brother were watching it and she was just like that that guy looks like 30 like <laughs> 30 yeah they all look so much older it's crazy they look like 25 and i was like yeah they the pandemic really screwed with the timelines for sure <laughs> It's like uh, Endgame when uh, everyone got snapped back, but some of the kids like got older. Or whatever, like that's what that's what it is. Yep, that's just what we have to do, <laughs> right? Oh my gosh! They had an excuse. They did have a legit excuse. Yep, and so, um, yeah, like they're beloved, so we can for we make a lot of allowances. And I I've loved watching them yeah. grow up. So no sweat. <laughs> yeah, they're all good actors. Like they're all solid. They Love bring them. it every every season. So. As long as they keep doing it. And there's some new good new characters this season too. Like they keep adding Let's new go. people too that I like. So Awesome. Yeah. Uh the only thing I watched I didn't watch a lot of new stuff either. I watched uh I'm almost done with Pistol, which is like the new uh Danny Boyle TV show about the sex pistols. Wow. It's on FX and uh Hulu. Sick, okay. It's it's pr- it's pretty dope. Like I'm I only have like one episode left. It's pretty short, it's like six six episodes i want to say so i only have like one left but um i mean i i'm a huge fan of the sex pistols i wrote like a paper on them uh-huh. so like a lot of the stuff that they're they're covering is like you know just i already knew but like the way that danny boyle like you talk about like his style of filmmaking and it was bringing me back to like you know 28 days later <gasps> like that you know just super crazy and like the cutting and like and I could see it being like too much for some people, but like because it's the Sex Pistols, it's like so perfect. It's like so punk. It's so yep. like, you know, we it's and it's like there's sex, there's violence. It's like everybody in the show is fucked up. It's like it's definitely 
like you have to be in the right state of mind to watch it because yep. it's a lot. It, it definitely is a lot. Like these characters are, are like their lives are so, so nuts. But um, yeah, if you like the sex pistols or like want to know some, you know, rock history, it's I, I, I'm loving it so far. So I think it's great. Awesome. Yeah. God, TV is so yeah. hard for me to do, but I always appreciate your recommendations and like learning what good TV is on so I can stay in the know, even though I can't necessarily watch. So uh, me too. I, I just remember it. I was like watching, I don't know what I was watching. Like the only TV I watched probably basketball or something. And there was just like a commercial for it. And I was like, wait, sex pistols and it was like danny boyle made by danny boyle i was like and danny boyle did it (laughs) i'm there i I gotta watch it and the guy who plays uh johnny ryan is like so good like he's such a good actor he nailed it sick um sid vicious too i mean all of them do but yeah i i thought the guy who played johnny for sure like he was like one of the highlights too but uh and then i watched goodfellas today because r.i.p ray liotta of course it's still an amazing movie i just was like some of the shots are just like you cannot get better than Scorsese during that time period. Ugh. It's just insane. Some of the stuff he was doing with the camera, you know, the Coco Cabana shot, like the yes. there's a shot where it's like he's filming it from a mirror, like two people are moving a mirror and he's shooting it th- like through the mirror. And it's just, just like little shit I never noticed before. And I was like, God damn, Scorsese is just flexing on everybody in this movie. Yep. Like it's just not even fair. Like you know, barring all of the great performances, all of the music choices, um, you know, just the 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 pacing of it too. It's like a two and a half hour movie, and like for Scorsese's one of the only people where he can make a movie like that and it feels so short. It feels so quick. Like, yeah, I watched it this morning and it, and it just flew by. Like, I was just like, I don't know how he does it. It's, <laughs> but it says something. Yeah, it's all of his movies like that. Like, like even like Casino, I feel the same way. You know, Wolf of Wall Street, they're all like pushing three hours. And, you know, he takes you on that that up and down journey. And, you know, I I think like uh, when I was like younger, I didn't really like the second half as much Mm because I just didn't like, you know, you're not you're not supposed to because it's like the downfall you know he even says it like this is the bad time, you know, but like now that (laughs) I've grown older, I kind of like appreciate that uh you know the the risk that you had to take to to do that you know and like the main character mm-hmm. like ends on a sour note and you know now i'm a schnook <laughs> <laughs> oh. i ordered spaghetti and meatballs and <laughs> got yep. say, ketchup <laughs> oh, oh man God. it's yeah, such it's a so good yeah it's so good ray liotta is one of our best like oh. it's it's crazy that like he didn't get an Oscar for that performance because he carries like the whole movie pretty mm-hmm. much. Like I would say his performance more than anybody. I mean, there's good. I mean, Joe Pesci too. I think Joe Pesci got nominated for yeah. it. Um, but like, but it's like so funny him, how much they love know, Joe Ray Pesci. Liotta. Like the Academies they love Joe, Joe Pesci. Pesci. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. That scene too. I had to rewind it back because it was just too good. Like funny how funny like a clown. Like I amuse you. <laughs> like. Watch like Ray Liotta like just shitting his pants that scene. It's so good. Like he's legit scared that he's like, and then he just like get the fuck out of here. He's like, you almost had me. (laughs) Yep. That's so good. Oh god. Yeah. Yeah. To to just reflect on like the great filmmakers and the great actors. Wants to watch it. Yes, where the good stuff is. So good. Uh, Also, where Born is. If you if you're ready to slide over, segue. Oh yeah, that's right. 
Um, okay, awesome. Let's do yeah. it. Today we're talking about the 2002 film The Born Identity. Uh, if you haven't seen it, it's about an assassin with no memory of who he is, killing one hitman after another on his quest to determine his true identity. Hence the title of the movie. Yeah. Um, but yeah, are you a fan of this movie, Shanny B? What do you love? What do you hate? Tell me about it. Uh I fucking love this movie. I, I love this movie. Um, <laughs> I love so much about this movie, you know, from the filmmaking to the writing, to the storytelling, through the performances, the action. Like, this is just such a good movie. You mm -hmm. know, it starts it starts where it needs to start for us to go on the appropriate journey. And, you know, to speak to what you're saying about Goodfellas, like this one, too, is yeah. it's a little over two hours. And it feels like it just started when we get to the final sequences, which is, you know, something I love to be reminded of. And I love the I guess just how like this can be a big studio action film, but have some really grounded like self-reflection in it yeah. and how that is in the filmmaking as well. You know, he he can speak to himself in other languages to determine who he is or trying to figure out who he is. And it like makes me think of Moon Knight and all these other things that are informed by, you know, not knowing who you are inside. And man, I just I love this shit, you know, yeah. like. I love all the hitmen stuff, the espionage stuff, the the quick camera cuts. Like, <laughs> oh, it was so good to rewatch. Uh, what about you? What do you love? Yeah, it's one that I can always go back to and put on to just like Goodfellas. So that's a good like point. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, I just I love that. Like a lot of the stuff that you said, um, I, I think like the central kind of like romance subplot is like a problem in a lot of these action movies that we talk about and i do remember one episode that i i pointed that the born identity is like one of my favorite ones which we'll get into but mm -hmm. i i really do like yes. the fine line that they handled in this movie with that uh thought it was really well done um i like you know matt damon kicking ass like uh just you know as they say in 40 year old yeah. 40 year old virgin uh paul rudd says uh you know i always thought he was kind of a wimp but in this movie he kicks ass <laughs> which is like it's so true it's, so it's true. like everyone knows him as goodwill hunting i mean i know like i love goodwill hunting don't get me wrong but you know when when it's like that thing of you you hear someone's gonna be in an action movie and you're like really damon uh and he proved everybody wrong right? for you know four movies and all the other action stuff that he did after this you know what i mean like he did so much well, stuff after this totally and he was working so hard in the 90s to basically show his versatility and this is an amazing culmination of it yeah. because you know like in courage under fire he was like 119 pounds or some crazy ass shit to like look like a heroin addict mm -hmm. and then for him to like show up and born at like 31 totally cut but like still pretty skinny to you know the beginning of a franchise where he's going to be like so buff later is it was amazing to see too <laughs> right exactly <laughs> he looked like a little boy to me this time around i was like damn he's so young he and is he's really it's just young. amazing because i remember being like he's a real man in this one he's like really grown up since goodwill hunting <laughs> when yeah i was a young person still a baby face <laughs> still a baby face in this and yep. yeah still he still does look super young in this one too um yeah i love the car chases i love the action how it's shot which we'll get into too with the filmmaking um Fuck yeah. There's just, yeah, like you said, the the amnesia. That's the other thing too is the amnesia plot is like something that I feel like is overused in like uh, soap opera. You totally. know what I mean? Like, and so it could go, <laughs> it could go sideways like real quick. But again, like this one, I think yes, handles it, it pretty, pretty well. 
uh, given the circumstances. And that's a lot, you know, due to the fact that Matt Damon is like so committed and, you know, the performances in this that kind of ground that uh, ridiculous, you know, driving force of the movie. <laughs> yeah. 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 And he sets the bar so high in that opening scene when yeah. you can really tell that there is like a true terror in his inability to remember who he is when he's like, I don't know who I am. I don't know where yeah. I'm going. Like he is exactly. so good at being able to capture the the reality of what it would be like to to like watch yourself behave but have no idea who you are you know like it's it's so tied to what cronenberg's doing in his late <laughs> phase that it it's all i could think about when i was rewatching this because i had that on the brain yeah and i think that's so key to why he was the perfect casting choice for this because you needed someone to have that vulnerability and like you know, young, scared boy look to him and like feel to him. You, could, <laughs> you couldn't have someone like Schwarzenegger or like Van Damme play like, you know what I mean? This type of role. Like they would not know how to like be so pull funny. off that emotional nope. beat to it. So by by casting Matt Damon, you get the best of both worlds. And um, in the research, I'll get into it. But he trained like super hard to really sell the action scenes and the and the way he's handling the guns and everything. And it, it shows every time he he, that that switch clicks it's like he's a whole different person it's like his body language is different uh the way he moves is different like it's just they did such a good yes. job in really clarifying like where he his lost like not knowing who he is where that goes and where like the mm -hmm. you know hitman assassin comes you know it's like very it's very yeah, clear and easy to understand yeah Totally, totally. There's like something also really funny about it because it's kind of like that the vibe of like cults and everything where, you know, you get programmed to to think a certain way and act a certain way. And it, he is like encountering the fact that that's something that takes over him rather than something he chooses. And yet as the film goes on, he chooses it more and more because he knows it's a strength of his. So rather than fight it or be afraid of it, like he kind of is in the open, by the end, he's just like a badass. And you know knows exactly what to do in each of these situations and you know like the character journey is so real in the story even before you get into how amazing the action is that accompanies it yeah and i mean it's all of us have that like uh you know part of us that like from our you know our, in our dna of like our ancestors and totally. you know like you know being able to adapt grow up, in nature and shit. stuff like that mm -hmm. um but we just don't do it because we're like a society now <laughs> and it's like it's we true. there's no need to so like to see to see someone like having to really struggle with that and like go back to those like base like instincts only uh and how mm -hmm. damaging that is like to him uh personally and you know it's it affects like we do get the happy you know ending together with with uh the girl at the end but they just completely tear that apart in this in the sequel which like yeah man, that... i was gonna say i don't remember even what happens in the sequel because i don't revisit it as much as i do the original you know like i rewatch born all the time but not so much i remember it vividly because it just like fucked me up it was like it's the opening it's the opening scene of the sequel where like they find him and his girl and they kill her yeah 
Yeah. Well, at least they continued to follow the the like rules of this genre and take it seriously. You know, he has to. The stakes are really high for Horn in more ways than one. All these action guys, like you know, Mission Impossible and James Bond, they cannot have a a wife. You know, they can they can mess around once in a while, but they can't have like a a wife at home and, and a wife and kids. Like that's not possible with this lifestyle for sure. That's right. Yeah, only in retirement is that possible. And uh, Bourne is not retiring. His right. journey's only begun. Just like Ethan <laughs> Ethan Hunt and Tom Cruise is not retiring anytime soon. <laughs> That's right. Oh. Um, yeah, yeah. So let's talk. Uh, you know, like little little trip ups and plot holes before we get into the filmmaking and the performances a little more because yeah. there's so many fucking people in this movie too. And oh, yeah. yeah. So uh, I think the one thing that really tripped me up was I didn't realize they were going to use green screen in places where it makes no sense for people to use green screen um why did they use green screen to fake a cia cafeteria and to fake like the senate when i know there are absolutely adequate rooms to portray those things (laughs) i'm guessing it was just uh it was probably either reshoots or uh Mm. like a schedule a scheduling thing because in each of those scenes it was uh brian cox and uh What's the other guy too, right? Chris Coops. Chris Cooper. Mm-hmm. So I'm guessing they were probably like, it probably was reshoots. They were filming something else, or whatever. They had to do something last minute, and they just cheated with the green screen. And but it it is pretty bad, especially that like boardroom one. That was one I was like, oh man, this is super bad. <laughs> this is not good. Yeah, yeah. It just took me out of it, yeah. and I was like, damn. I wish that they like. I almost wish they would go back and try to remaster and see if somebody could fix it because it just seems like yeah. the whole rest of the movie is so visceral and grounded and real, and then in a cafeteria, it's so clearly fake. <laughs> Yeah, I have the Blu-ray. It just blew my mind because it makes no sense. <laughs> I have the Blu-ray, which I, I don't know if this is on 4K yet. I don't know. It, it might be. A lot of these mm. action ones, they get 4K treatments, but uh, it, it still looked bad totally. on the Blu-ray. So. <laughs> Oh, no, damn. <laughs> how much they can do with it you know it's sometimes it's like when it's filmed like that you know there's nothing really you can work around it and but uh yeah you, you could totally. tell it was filmed early 2000s but i think that's kind of a good thing i do like you said i like the groundedness of the overall look mm-hmm. of the film and i do prefer this one to the sequel uh because they kind of green grass kind of took that and like just went overboard with that like just the shaky cam is yep. it just does not hold up as much as as it does in this <laughs> one um but i really do like the third one i think the third one actually is my favorite out of the series like i love ultimatum um yeah yeah, yeah the third which one is, is rare so, so good. it's rare that a third mm. movie can be you know as good or even better than the first one you know um, that's true so but i i do like how they ended it and i hated how they brought it back for the fourth one like because uh, i because three is has true. three the, sad days the reason i love three is it's such a perfect button ending like it's so perfect and i remember for years yep. they were asking they would always ask him, uh, him in interviews matt damon like when are you gonna are you gonna come mm-hmm. back we want to see more born he was like you know like only if there's a good script for it like he was he was always that was always his quote like only if there's a good script and then when i heard they were making uh jason Bourne part four i was like oh god yeah. i was like okay i was like all right he's, he said it has to be a good script so i'm i'm gonna believe him and uh wasn't wasn't uh so wasn't the best <laughs> <laughs> talk about well, you know uh, a treadstone more like retreadstone huh 
Yes, yes. Well, you know, it's uh, Top Gun Maverick hadn't come out yet. They didn't know they didn't how to have wake the formula up a franchise yet. the right way. They didn't way. have the it's formula. Okay. Yeah. I think, right. I think Greengrass right. came back, too, for four, too. So, yeah, mm. it just it wasn't the best. There, I like the Vegas. Yeah, the not- Vegas chase scene in four is pretty dope. But other than that, yeah. I don't remember. I remember Tommy Lee Jones looking old as hell in that uh, as the new, like, opera- <laughs> operative. <laughs> like the- Dude, so good. <laughs> yep. And Vikander, I think, right? Isn't Vikander yeah, the, I think that's the right. like, new Early Vikander. person at the... Yes, yes. Yeah, just this movie, it started a phase of filmmaking with that shaky cam that became pretty normal, pretty common. And I think that kind of loses the point of the shaky cam in this original film, which I think has more to do with the frantic nature with which this man is coming to understand his environment. You know, like he his brain is able to make these decisions for him even before he thinks of the solution. And I think the camera work really reflects that where in many ways it, it, it picks up when he's doing these things and it moves in other ways when he's determining things. And yeah, it's just more coordinated to born rather than from his point of view. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Rather than how in like the later ones, it just really starts to become more about, you know, how cool you can shoot a sequence and, there's so much action in this movie. And, and even though I know there is action in the others, it just doesn't feel as good as mm-hmm. the action here where like shit's really blowing up and it's really on really tiny little streets. And, <laughs> you know, he's driving around a really tiny little car and doing crazy shit in I it. I love that it's, it's in awesome. Europe too. Like Europe adds so oh. much to this, to the story too, mm-hmm. because of, like you said, the small streets and, um, you know, you get so much out of the production value of that. Um, and yeah, I was I was thinking totally. too of like how Damon at this time too was like in Ocean's Eleven, and he was trying to get, and he was like a a, a pickpocket in that too. So he was like he was playing these like shifty characters at the time that like you know could see ten steps ahead, which like you know it, the born. It's like I loved I love one of my favorite uh, you know instances of him snapping into it is when like they're in the restaurant and he's like. You know, mm-hmm. I, I know all the exits and she's like, so big deal. So what? He's like, I know that guy over there is 200 pounds and can handle himself. <laughs> yes. like, he just like started rattling off. Like, I know the best place to get a gun is the great cab outside. And just, oh, man. And she's just like that, that moment. I feel like she's like, OK, this guy, there's something wrong with this guy. <laughs> like, who have I who have I picked up? <laughs> Well, and he also, again, like to your point about him being the perfect casting, he's also able to somehow strike this balance between I'm so scared of these talents of mine because they're scary that you should both feel safe with what I say, because I'm telling you I can kind of keep us both safe. But it does make sense that you'd also maybe feel like you need to help me. You know, like there's this amazing chemistry between the two of them that I feel like is different than, you know, the usual romantic track where there's like a strange kind of mutual respect where she's like, look, I don't know what you're into, but I feel bad for you. And I know that if I am, if I kind of help you out too, that protects me, but it also will make me feel like I'm, I'm connected to you because mm-hmm. he's vulnerable with her in a way, even though he's not like crying or something, you know? Right. That, and that's like, what was one of my, not, it's not even a nitpick. It's just like a question of like, I understand the mm-hmm. $10,000 was enough for her to initially take him or whatever. Do you think she would go along that 
far. <laughs> like after the murders start uh, piling up, you know what I mean? Like I get the whole like attraction thing, but it's like I, at some point I do feel like there there would could have been more pushback unless she just was like had the hots for Damon like way too strong. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> where right. she, she wasn't yeah, I was thinking, thinking clearly. Too. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Cause I was thinking like that that's the weird thing too about relationships in these kinds of stories is that we do cross a point where she kind of has to stay yeah. because at a certain point I'm like how could she trust the cops like there are several times he's like you don't have to keep coming with me like go to the cops and I I was just thinking every time like they're not gonna believe her like they can be they're gonna bought. kill her too she has to stay they're with gonna you. kill her too probably it's the safest yeah exactly so I feel like it was one of those stories that walks a line where the actors and the writing create the right kind of chemistry so that it's not too uh, you know right. um, uh, cagey or whatever I just wanted to ask the question I wanted to pose the question because I feel like it's up to the, audi- yes. the audience that's watching it to decide when would you leave uh, or if you yep. would be so attracted to Damon you would stay the whole time and she does leave at the end she does leave all the way at she the does. end but that's after like multiple yep. attempts on her life uh police chases and <laughs> witnessing and murders yeah, like, <laughs> yeah a lot happened i feel like when it when they bust into her friend's house and he shows up with his kids that is definitely yeah. another one of those situations where you're like yeah she probably should have driven away or like she probably should have been like we should all leave and let right him now. stay here that was and tough. like we yeah. should all go somewhere else because exactly. yeah it was a little bit it gets a little dodgy there but i can't falter you know like damon's super hot i don't know that he's the best babysitter i think my favorite random part of this movie is that when they go to the friend's cottage and they're talking about like what's going on and in the window you could just see Matt Damon standing at the swing set looking like so confused yeah. and lost with these children it's it's a good choice yeah. it, yes like it it works still it does. and so I have to I have to point it out as something so funny yeah some of the amnesia stuff too where I was like where does his he doesn't know who is like what music he likes but he knows mm-hmm. he knows how to please a lady. We know that. <laughs> he definitely DTF. didn't forget how to fuck. So was, did that count? Was that, that part of his training? Was did that like kick in, or was that always there? <laughs> I mean, I have to think that it is part of the training for some sort of program, right? Because James Bond, if Jennifer Lawrence's Red Sparrow, taught me anything. Seduction. You got to use sex sometimes. Seduction. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Again, that's another question I want to pose to you guys. Let us know. (laughs) Please. What do you think? Was it was it part of his training? Was it all there all the whole time? Who knows? And then the last one I had that makes me laugh every time is, uh, Mm -hmm. and it's pretty. It's the CGI too on it is pretty funny. Is the when he. He falls from like three floors floors up or whatever. He uses really that high. guy yeah. as like a skateboard down or something. And I'm like, <laughs> he would just be dead, right? Like, there's no you. You can't even if you land on top of another person. That's like so much force. Like, you would definitely be breaking something or like he walks away yeah. unscathed, a, like completely fine. It's a real Austin Powers <laughs> moment where they were like, "Look, people went for oh, yeah, it." There, I forgot so about that. I think we can use it. The like, human shield. That's the first thing I thought. I was <laughs> yeah. like, what? 
But so it is good. a cool shot with, you know, the camera going down and him sort of sliding on the rope. I just wish it was a rope and not, you know, a body. <laughs> or like even if they like had made it a couple floors down, he falls from so high, like so unbelievably high. And he like does <laughs> jump. He yeah. also doesn't like just fall like he straight jumps. jumps. It was a Captain America like Winter Soldier move. Like it was not, it's not something we would yeah, be able to do. <laughs> Nope, nope, not so, a human move. Yeah. Great aspirations, though. Thank right. you so much to the filmmakers. Like, way to put in 110. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, let's talk about some of the, the filmmaking and performances. Uh, we got this film was written by Tony Gilroy, who wrote All of the Borns, Michael Clayton, Rogue One, and The Devil's Advocate. Oh, man, what a resume. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Right. Knows how to work with the greats, knows how to tell a great story, even if it's somewhat formulaic, still nails it. And then uh, as the director, we have Doug Lyman, who did uh, Swingers, Mr. and Mrs. Smith, another action uh, romantic classic. Mm Uh, lockdown, live, die, repeat, a Tom Cruise vehicle that we we haven't done yet. But uh, I love that one, too. But he so he's got a pretty interesting he's got a pretty interesting resume, too, like. He knows how to make a really good action flick. And uh, I think people forgot because he he makes all sorts of different movies. But once he did Live, Die, Repeat, I was like, oh, yeah, like there goes classic born identity Lyman. Like, <laughs> like yes, he, re- he reinvented yes. the genre again, like for. He did. Yeah. So. He really did, because I feel like Go and Swingers are his like 90s films that basically are the precursor to the kind of action he's going to shoot. He's just shooting it more with like personality and and energy of the the people. Yeah. And I feel like he just harnesses that where he can now get that kind of energy out of just, you know, a dude punching a dude in the face or like breaking a guy's legs like Bourne's the action in Bourne is also so much more surprising than I'm ready for because I, you know, both am desensitized by the way film is doing action today, but also because the filmmaking is really complementary to mm-hmm. the action in a way I really miss too. Yeah, I don't know if you saw, there was like some, oh God, it's so annoying. Adam McKay and like <laughs> Judd Apatow uh-huh. and Shonda Rhimes signed this thing to be like, we're going to re-examine how we portray gun violence in movies given everything that's going on in America. And I was like, guys, it's not the movie's fault, okay? You guys have been no. making this argument for like a hundred years and we still have action movies. <laughs> like, Also, go after Fortnite. Right, Get right. out of my movies and go after Fortnite. It's a constant battle, that game. There's it's movies so in every fun, country. It's like way easier. There's movies in yeah. every country that have action in them and guns in them. Like why? No, stop. Don't and come after my no action movie movies. That- don't come after this. The action yeah, genre. none of the action movies are like, let's make a pit stop at the local school and shoot it up. No, like that's exactly. not happening in any of our movies. So I think we're good. I guess there was a Republican like <laughs> hero school shooter movie that came out like re- like in the past couple years, though. And I I mean, I didn't see it, obviously. But what? Yeah, it's. Oh, my God. It's like, you know, like the, the, their fantasy of like the good guy with the gun, like comes in and saves the day. Yeah. Also, no. An interesting group of filmmakers to say they're going to check the way they portray gun violence. I'm not. Um, don't get me started. <laughs> Adam McKay and see. Judd Apatow are on my shit list right now. After uh, Don't Look Up and what was that? The 
the dome one, the the bubble. Oh yeah, <laughs> I'm just oh the bubble. Yeah, yeah. I was like, why the fuck can't I think about it? I literally covered it on st- stream queens, yeah. and I already have forgotten. Both of them Damn. need to like go away. Good. Like I'm just tired of them and their their input on stuff. Like just. <laughs> Yeah, I feel like you just had your day. A good movie. You had your day. Shut up. Right. And stop <laughs> trying to be political. Like no one cares. Judd Apatow yeah. too was like one of the people that was like when Will Smith got slapped, like uh, slapped Chris Rock. He's like Chris Rock could have fallen and died. Like just the most dramatic. Like Judd Apatow, Aww. your privilege is showing. Just stop talking. <laughs> so hard. So hard. Well, I think that's the thing too. Is then go do like take an action. Rather than just say something, yeah. Like, so I think that's I don't why I love say. talking about movies. Yeah, and I love watching good movies by auteurs and talking about it because I think that's much more powerful than you releasing a fucking statement on your opinion about something after you made a movie that doesn't exist in reality. Exactly. You know, like I. It's just weird because I feel like uh, there's so much more that's able to be communicated in in you know the art of like a 70s cronenberg movie and it's hilarious that today we're like signing a petition yeah. rather than you know appearing at can with a film that's going to challenge everybody's right. mind beliefs so Ugh. that we might grow I just, you know yeah i mean so film, film is so, political don't get me wrong film as an art form is word. political but i do not want to you just don't make it a thesis whatever of like what you like want to happen like make it interesting you know what i mean like I don't it's know. really silly we got off track here i like but. that <laughs> but I, I was gonna say i like that when we get to talk about the movies we talk about we're out here looking for kind of like the goats of this genre yeah and so i do like that a lot of the movies we get to talk about help us reconcile how far away film can get from the things that make it great And this is a movie that's definitely trying to confront this idea of like, you know, if you hide behind an identity, like you serve in the military or you're a policeman, you you have a career where you wear a mask basically because you're supposed to, what does that do to your identity? And that's in this story. You know, he doesn't want to kill these people, but no one, you know, Tony Gilroy is not coming out and being like, this is so important because we really wanted to examine, (laughs) you know what I mean? He's not the, he's not going out and being a poster boy for anything no. he just wrote a really good story that could challenge me to think about the reality and that's the only job that's where the amnesia really helps because it's, it's not like he's struggling with his killing it's he doesn't remember that he killed you know what i mean like so it takes a whole that's lot right. of baggage off of the table uh i think um but yeah that's a good point i think too like the fact that like the government agency is like the antagonists in these movies but and it's also how those movies they like i feel like there's a lot of conspiracy theory style action movies that exist but if you look closely they're also they're usually people who are exploiting the government's protection not Mm -hmm. necessarily the government right which i appreciate because i feel like it's easy for everybody to exploit the government and at least when we're looking at the shadow organizations we can have more fun yeah and it's not right it's not the whole government either like because they there's a scene really i feel like they put in specifically where you know the director of the fbi like sits down and is like there was an attempt on <laughs> uh, this right. guy's life and uh i didn't sanction that so i, I hope none of you guys did and, like so they made it like very clear yep. like you said it's this like the secret sex within the the mm-hmm. fbi and stuff that are like trying to 
you know, get the, which does happen. You know what I mean? Like that's the CIA, the exactly. FBI, you know, you can look into it. Like there's lots of, uh, you know, murder attempts, mur- assassinations that have at, like mm-hmm. legit happened. So uh, I do think like that's another thing that's like realistic and grounded, like would actually happen. Um, and the, the fact yeah. that, you know, born is unsuccessful and like fucked it up and now they're trying to like cover their tracks it's like uh, I, I, I root for Born. Yeah, I'm like I'm rooting for Born the whole time. Like I, I want him to make it out. Yep. Uh, with the girl, you of know. Of course. <laughs> yeah, I so. want him to get to a place where he can be his own person. Just like I wish that could be true for Clive Owen, and you know, I yeah, the Clive Owen death is so for... sad. I don't. I forget how <sighs> sad it is every time. Like because you know he's an the assassin, bonding. and uh, mm-hmm. you know he comes after Damon. Like I said, you're rooting for Damon, but. You know, when they have that moment in the field and he's like, you get the headaches, I get the headaches so yeah. bad. And it's like, oh, man, like he is an instrument, too, yeah. from the go- by the government. You know, he's not he's just in the same boat as as Damon. So, oh, it's so good. Exactly. Oh, it's so, so good. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like I everybody does their job in this movie. They're all so well cast. And, you know, because we got to kind of slide into our favorites. I'm glad you brought up the the Clive Owen stuff because I always forget it's him, too. And then I get reminded and then I'm like, (laughs) oh, man, I fucking miss Clive Owen. Clive Owen as an action hero. Yeah, as an action star. Right. Love Clive Owen. Huge, huge fan. Children of Men. So glad he was here. Children of Men. Totally. One of my all times. But yeah, I feel like the this one was hard because there were some stunts that it's like they're small stunts where I feel like in a movie today, no one would even like write in this extra little stunt that's just cool. And I appreciate that there's like a couple of those in in this movie uh what stunt you know was your favorite? What do you what really sticks with you? Yeah, you kind of think of Bourne. There's a yeah, I'm I'm with you on that with uh some of the cool stuff like I want I want to save one for my well like okay there's the pen through the hand which is like an iconic part of the movie where the guy pulls the pen out of his hand and like that's <laughs> oh that might have to be my favorite stunt because some of these I'm like thinking I'm like there's one that's like more of a kill that I think is cool and. Mm-hmm. You know, the Paris car chase is good. I'll give you that. But I actually think the sequel has a better car chase. So, totally. you know, down yeah. the wire, I'm going to go pen in the hand. I'm making that that's decision right now, just like Bornwood. I'm, I'm stick with my conviction. Uh, what about you? Perfect. <laughs> Perfect. I mean, for me, it's really just like the simple subtlety of when he kind of just climbs down the wall at the embassy, like real oh, quiet, yeah, that's cool. parkour style, just shimmying down the side of a building. Uh, because I feel like, again, it's like one of those things where when he steals the radio so, so he can like avoid today. them, which is like another like yep. cool aspect where you're like, OK, you're you know what he's thinking because you see him doing all these little things. They don't explain it to you. You know what I mean? Like it's pretty, right. you just have to follow Damon and his perspective. So yeah, I'm with you. Yeah. Yeah. You learn with him, which is really awesome. And I like the subtlety of even something as simple as like knowing not to panic and to just climb down is kind of something that is a superpower in and of itself. Yeah. So I really appreciate that the stunts of this movie are really not just about shocking me with like fire or danger. They're also kind of about being like, look at how effortless 
it is for this guy to be a couple of stories up on a building on a really rattly balcony type metal thing, mm-hmm. having dropped a bag and watching it fall <laughs> and and then just subtly climb down the building. No yeah. sweat. It'll come to him. It'll come to him just like, you know, at the beginning when they're speaking to him in like German or whatever, and he's kind of speaking in English and then, oh, the German co- came and now he's speaking, he's switching in different languages. It's like, it's all, it's all going to come to him. It's, uh, it's cool. It's cool to watch that, that like transformation on screen. Uh, for sure. And you totally. do you do get a cool explosion, though, too. I wanted to, another stunt uh, honorable mention when uh, he shoots that like mm. explosive tank uh, when he's uh, Fuck yeah. for cover when Clive Owen is trying to, to snipe him. Um, that's like such a dope uh, sequence where, again, they don't explain why he's doing that. But then you see like Clive Owen looking for him through the through the smoke. And you're like, oh, man, he's just too good born is just too good (laughs) yes yes um yeah yeah i mean i think even that sequence is just so baller and honestly that's my favorite kill is the clive owen stuff and yeah you know that moment they share but also just how fucking baller matt damon looks like reloading that shotgun and sort of like walking real cool like i got a plan um i don't know what it is but i do have it and and i'm just confident right now marching around in this like field right uh it's just such a great yeah and he shoots uh, the he shoots in the air for the so, so the birds like go away like yep. it's just all these little little things again like that don't explain but you're seeing like through the mind of a hitman what would what would the steps be what, what he would take to take out another hitman um which yeah exactly very cool so baller what about you what's your favorite kill um i do want to honorable mention too because you had this down as well that i always forget about the fake out when like at the end when uh you think like there's another hitman about to take out vorn you're like damn another guy but then it kills uh yeah <laughs> kills uh see yep. like you said so uh but that, that, that's like a cool uh misdirect or whatever that they you know they always do in these in these born movies they 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 do that in the sequels as well it's this kind of a, a staple of the born franchise which i like And it's also a staple, again, of the really good writing and what these movies kind of need to have going on so they can throw that suspicion. Because I think the Brian Cox, Chris Cooper stuff, it's the B storyline that you really need so that you can not be sure what's going to happen in the end, even though you kind of know, well, in the end, he's going to confront them somehow. And we get to sort of see what that somehow ends up looking like. And, you know, the two of uh, Brian Cox and Chris Cooper are so good in this. And I just love that, you know, they get away with it, but they don't get away with it. Right. They still hold each other accountable, kind of the same way that like Bourne has to kill another assassin, (laughs) you know, like he's got to kill another statesman or whatever. Yeah, I was going to say that's why I like Ultimatum, because he that's when he gets his like, you know, just desserts at the end. Like he he gets his his uh, his revenge kind of in a way um, on Brian Cox and finds the answers he's looking for uh but uh but yeah my favorite kill because you you picked uh the clive owen stuff yep it's like a very small one but like so awesome i just thought it was so cool looking like it's at the end in that staircase fight he uh he's in he's having a hand-to-hand combat with this guy and he steals the guy's silencer and he like it's like upside down and he's like sort of double shoot he has his gun and then the upside down silencer and he's like shooting him with both at the same time and i was like that was so baller (laughs) like that was just what a baller move like it's so simple uh and then yeah and that guy just like is hanging on the ledge just like dead from the the double (laughs) shooting so 
yeah. So awesome. Yeah, so awesome. Yeah, it's like uh, he, not only does he keep surprising himself, but I think the filmmakers keep surprising us as the audience. And that surprising piece is what's so important about Bourne because it's a unique kind of story where even as this franchise goes on, he's there's still so much to learn uh, about himself and his life. And I like that they figure out a way to mirror that in the action sequences and mirror that in all the other pieces of storytelling. Like, this is just such a fucking good movie. <laughs> it really is. Yeah. Uh, we could talk about this for hours, but I know we're running out of time here. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I did just want to. Yeah, what do you got on those special features? Yeah, I'll share uh, a couple of the special features. We got. Uh, as of 2014, this is the only film in the Born series with any resemblance to the plot of the book, which it's based on. And it's still very loose adaptation, I guess, <laughs> because these are Amazing. based on some spy books. Uh, not not very surprising. You have to change some stuff up for the movies. Um, totally. The name, the name Born came from Ansel Bourne, uh, a preacher in Rhode Island who had the first documented case of disassociative fugue. Identity? Uh, or amnesia. So, yeah. Oh, oh, amnesia. Yeah. <laughs> oh, snap. Okay. I wasn't so. sure if he, he like had a dual identity where he was like, oh, I'm an assassin and a priest, and I didn't know that. <laughs> I mean, you we know, need I'm, to- I've been watching Moon Knight. I'm getting confused. We might need to cut this out of the pod because we need to write a uh, preacher assassin like ASAP and- <laughs> get this yeah get this thing going I'm down. <laughs> i don't want to give this thousand percent i don't want to give these uh these gems out for free uh one thousand percent cut it out yep <laughs> yep cut it out let's set a meeting i'm so in <laughs> uh speaking of matt damon trained in the filipino martial art cali for the movie which involves using the aggressive aggressor's energy against him and conserving your own energy which I think makes a lot of sense mm. for a hitman to do. And since he's on the on the run, you do see him kind of defensively fighting, I would say, more. Right? So I think that's accurate. Yep. Um, and then the last one, which we kind of touched on, is that Doug Lyman wanted the camera operator to be late moving to the camera, um, adding an edge to the photography. And he so he didn't let him watch the rehearsals. And uh, that way he didn't know which character spoke next. And he was always like kind of you know, surprised about where to point the camera, which adds to that, you know, feeling of, um, you know, following someone on the run or, you know, trying to track someone, which I, th I thought was, I think it's really smart. I think it shows through yeah. in, in, the, in the final film. Again, that's exactly what I appreciate about a great filmmaker and about this film in particular is the filmmaking is mirroring the story that they're telling. And even the DP is joining in on this collaborative process to do that. And God, I just fucking love movies so much. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's what all the all the uh, the good movies should do. And I did want to shout out because, uh, you know, because we didn't get to talk about her a ton, but Frank uh, Potenti. That she plays the, uh, yes. the girl, uh, Marie, uh, in, in the story. And I think her chemistry with Matt Damon uh, is amazing. Like, they don't even yep. need to really talk about it. It's just the scene where he's cutting her hair, I think, is just like, you know, you can just see the chemistry right there and how he's almost like yep. kind of, he's almost like scared, you know, like, again, that scared quality. And she's she makes the move on him. So yeah. I, I like her a lot in this movie. I think she she's uh, she killed it, too. Same. Yeah, she definitely holds her own. I wish she sur I wish she survived in the sequels. 
<laughs> me too. Me too. That is cold, cold and heartbreaking, but that's what Treadstone's all about. So yeah. it makes perfect they sense. They pulled the, I guess. Uh, the Friday the 13th on her, like the horror movie thing where you, you kill the, you kill the final girl in the next movie. And it's like, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It's like, if you really, if you really like uh, them, it's like you, you pretty much know, like you're, you're in uh dangerous waters in the next one, you know? So and right. yeah, it's like it follows all those rules. But yeah, they they had something special. And I appreciate that because it's not always easy to figure out a way to create romance in these stories. And this is this movie does a good job of finding a way to to mix it in appropriately, given the story we're telling, you mm-hmm. know? No, absolutely. Nice. Yeah. Nice. All right. Awesome. That wraps it up for us. Let's get the plugs in and scoot out of here. Uh, remind the people where they can find you. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Rampage underscore Misfit and at my movie pages at Misfit underscore Minded on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. And then, uh, you know, follow us on Instagram at Action Movie Buffs and, uh, you know, like and review us on uh, all the podcast platforms for sure. Yes, please, please, please. And you can find me on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Shani B Movies. Uh, if you came late to this live show, you can find this episode of Movie Buffs on Spotify and Apple Podcasts this Friday. Uh, we're going to be off next week, which means that there'll be another retro episode. And yep. it's the 35th anniversary of Predator. So and they dropped the new trailer God, for the new it. Predator, which oh. we, can, we can discuss uh, next yes. week. Or uh, the week Absolutely. after. <laughs> yep, yep. When we'll be back for Face Off. Let's oh, go. Oh, man. Face Damn, off. Damn, June's on fire. Woo. <laughs> yes. Cage yes. month. Yes, June. June is on fire. It's cage month. It's the best month of the year. It's my birthday month. So all the good things. Um, And then just lastly, you know, if you're really into streaming content, I'm doing Stream Queens later talking Fire Island. So if you want to get your pride on, uh, come through, please. Um, But otherwise, yeah. Oh, shit. I got to get out of here. Thank you so much. (laughs) Yeah. Thanks, everybody, for listening. And we'll catch you next time for another edition of Movie Buffs. Mm -hmm.